This is the Bob McCown Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sports book app today. You think I'd know that line by now? I've done it enough times, but I still have every once in a while, Paul, I still have to look down. It's just like writing your name every so often. You look at the letters to make sure you have them right. It's but okay. He, but here's the thing. I don't write my name. You see, I have it. I I, I don't write it down anymore. I, I printed it off and I still screw it up every once in a while. Anyway, that's another story for another day. Uh, and now for so- something completely different. We've done basketball. We've done baseball. Obviously, we've done hockey. Today, we go back onto the pitch and we're going to do soccer. We're going to talk James Sharman uh, about a couple of stories. Christine Sinclair being one. Uh, the passing of one of the greats of the soccer world being another. And then Scott Mitchell, who is a a vital role with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, with the Canadian Premier Soccer League, and a managing partner of Canadian soccer business. And all the foo-foo that's going around uh, Canada soccer and what's going on to try to maintain some level of civility between the players, the governing body, and the business side, which has been privatized. It should be an interesting afternoon. Yeah, no, and and, and John, you know, it's Scott in particular, he's had his uh, hands in a lot of places when it comes to money, and I don't, I don't mean that in a in a demeaning or derisive way, but he just he knows. So it'll be interesting to hear his thoughts on on uh, what's going on and and you know potential solutions and 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 where we go with all that's happening. Uh, it, it has been quite controversial at times. Well, and and quite frankly, uh, with all the noise that has occurred, we've heard from the players, we've heard from the governing body, uh, Canada Soccer, but I don't think we've heard very much from Canadian soccer business. So it'll be interesting to see what what his thoughts are on Mm -hmm. that topic, amongst others, with uh, the CPL Championship this weekend and Grey Cup in Hamilton uh, on the 19th of November. Paul Jones is in. I'm John Shannon. This is the McCowan Podcast. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. Bet Rivers. Dot com. Welcome back to the McCowan Podcast. Paul Jones in for Bob this week, joined by our soccer guy. That's your official title. It's going to be on a business card one day, James. Our soccer guy, James Sharman. How are you? Good, 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 fellas. I've been called far uh, how, worse than that, so I'll take it. How, how's the pie business? It's going well, thanks. Yeah, I actually spent the last two days at a trade show, a grocery trade show, which I never oh. thought I'd do in my life. And uh, a lot of standing around, a lot of talking. So we'll see where it goes. Did you did you okay, wear an so, apron, so, James? Did you wear one of those aprons that? Uh, no, I wasn't show? cooking. I wasn't cooking. No, no. I was trying to look professional. Okay, for so, once. so so you're now you were at the grocery trade show. Was that it? Where was that in here in Toronto or where was? Yeah, yeah, out by the airport. Yeah, the grocery okay, so, show. It's called. I mean, this is probably the most important thing we'll talk about on the show today. Um, 
you're what you're trying to get your pies into grocery stores yeah yeah we're in quite a few already right we just started uh in loblaws a few weeks ago now um and, wow. and we're trying to just expand beyond that you know and, and what will it take to get across the country you know there's so many regulatory um uh bureaucracy shall we say uh, which sure. we're trying to figure out to how to expand. So all the fun stuff, you know, it used to be the fun stuff's in the kitchen, the the recipes and the cooking, but not not now. It's regulatory issues. See, Paul, we were lamenting yesterday about how the how the pay of athletes is going up and the pay of broadcasters isn't. Sharman's not going to need broadcasting anymore. No, Sharman's no. going to be the pie king. The Sharman's going to be the pie king. Hey, listen, there, listen say, right right now we're in that stage where everything you make goes back in the bloody business. <laughs> So I need media right now. Trust listen, me. Listen, James, okay, well, I don't I don't know if you're of I, I use this word all the time, the same vintage of John and I, but John, you're like wine. You don't get older, you just get better. Okay. Okay. I say that, but nobody believes me. I do. You got one, at least one vote. Okay. So there's an episode of the Flintstones called the Gravelberry Pie King, where he leaves his job and he becomes a guy that's responsible for pies. And it's it's going great, and then all of a sudden the bottom comes out. I just hope you, uh, things keep going great for you, and you never get to that point where the bottom falls out of the pie. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Well, was that Bonnie or was it? Was it? Um, oh, it's got to be Fred. Gotta it was Fred. Fred. It, it was Fred. Fred. Okay. Okay. Good. He left Mr. Slate and said, "I'm gone." And Slate, he had to beg <laughs> Slate to go well, back. For the record, <laughs> I've been doing this podcast three and a half years now. That's the first time we've discussed the Flintstones. Uh, 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 okay be before we talk about the beautiful game one blatant plug for the product yeah uh shamansproper.ca all the information is there uh, you can order online or deliver to your home we're in a, a bunch of stores across uh, the gta actually as far as ottawa actually so uh take a look see what you like and uh yeah uh, they're, they're pretty damn good let me tell you okay there we go now we, we got all the good stuff and the important stuff out of the out of the way um I wanted to have you on this week uh, to talk about uh, the ultimate retirement. You know, Christine Sinclair announced uh, via Instagram with uh, her cleats over top of a a line with their sneakers with with the cleats tied together. It's kind of cool, uh, but Christine Sinclair ha is uh, calling it a career. What, in your opinion, is her ultimate impact on the game worldwide and particularly in our country? Well, certainly in, in our country, Christian Sinclair is the reason why so many girls are playing today, I think. I, I really believe that. That tipping point for the women's game here was that 2012 London Olympics, uh, that, that iconic match. She scored the hat-trick against the States. Then Canada, of course, crashed out to the controversial refereeing call. Um, you know, I remember watching that and thinking, I never watched a Canadian team, um, maybe in any sport, you know, um, bring such emotion across the country it was like us against the states and canada's getting screwed over by by you know the, this referee and in many ways it was almost more important than even the gold medal all those years later which sounds crazy because it really got that conversation started i think in mainstream sports mainstream media in this country and christine who had been doing it for years before obviously was central to that so you know since then girls are playing football they're, they're sticking around we're seeing Someone like Julia Grosso, who scored the winning penalty for Canada at the Olympics, saying, I'm playing because of Christine and because of 2012. So that's what she did domestically in this country. Um, internationally, listen, she's one of the greatest of all time. I, I think we get probably ahead of ourselves saying she's the greatest of all time. Listen, this, this, these are great players, different eras, Mia Hamm. Well, statistically, she is, right? 
most goals scored yeah and maybe she is right maybe she is but uh i think you know we, we love to push that i think she's one of the best we've ever seen the greatest goal scorer we, we've probably ever seen um although she's played a lot of games as well a lot of games and, and the women's game's grown so much right since you know when she first started out um so I, I think as the women's game has grown it's almost as if she was born you know 10 years too too late because or too early because the game's got so big now it's grown so far what could she have done internationally if she was born you know 10 years later but 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 uh the reality is in our country if she was born 10 years later the game would not have progressed as much because she wasn't there to be a role model quite possibly yeah quite possibly or maybe it'd just be a little bit you know pushed down the line a little bit european women's football you know the big clubs now investing in it finally they weren't doing that when she was starting out europe were ignoring football it's a very small little pool of talent at that point and uh, now it's got much greater james for me and you, you talked about it uh both you and john the the great impact uh domestically here but and and maybe not the impact internationally because of the timing but what about the notoriety on an international stage? Um, you know, what has she garnered there? And is it one of those things that, you know, we, we joke about this, the longer you retired, the better you were. Like, will she start to get some of that latent kind of praise and, and, and the accolades coming along later because of what she was able to accomplish? It's a great question. I wonder because she's never been comfortable in the spotlight, really pushing no. her own brand. Now that she's done well for herself, there's been companies. Which, by the way, is very Canadian. Very Canadian. Yeah, she's Canadian, right? Yeah. Listen, yeah. there's been brands that have attached themselves to her and she's made some good money, I'm sure, through them. But she isn't an Alex Morgan, for example, in the States or a Rapinoe um, or some of these other players that have really used their brand. I think Alex Morgan's got 11 million Instagram followers. Um, Sinky's got. I think it's 90,000 around there or something. She's never done that. So will she go away quietly? Will she stay in the game? I think she'll stay in the game as far as pushing the women's sport and with Project 8 in a couple of years' time, I'm sure she'll be a big part of that. Um, but internationally, I mean, listen, women's soccer, let's be honest, you know, it's grown, but it's still tiny. You know, most mm -hmm. football fans, like just football fans, still watch the men's game internationally, right? And, and women's having a real difficult job, I think, pushing them and saying listen you've got to watch us the world cup helped it was a fantastic world cup right but it's still very much in its infancy does soccer canada need her and when i'm talking about that does the the, the you know the governing body of the sport in our country do they, do they need christine sinclair to be involved because she's been well, quite critical particularly in the yeah. last eight months even even in her postings recently about you know the, basically the athletes were getting paid ten dollars a day to to play the yeah. game and it's not right I think they need her on side. That's for sure. You know, when, when Christine speaks, people listen. That's for sure. Especially the, the the fan base, the public out there who perceive Canada soccer in a certain way right now, and probably rightfully so. Um, but they've got to get her on side and get this deal signed at some point because uh, she can be a, a big part in that. Of course, she will. Whether she wants to be that, I mean, she doesn't. To me, she doesn't strike me as being a political figure at all. Has no interest in that. Even though she's really pushed that agenda, she's had to. She's felt she's had to. Mm. Um, I can see her more involved in, you know, the professional level of the game, be it, be it maybe not coaching, but running a club at some point. She did uh, speak uh, in front of the Commons Committee. You know, yeah, uh, she 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 she, she was to, involved. She had, she had to, and and she's a voice we need in the game. Well, there aren't that many voices, right, in Canadian soccer, really, who, who we literally, oh, he or she is speaking, better listen, very few of them. Um, right. The alumni have been, you know, just 
for whatever reason, forgotten about, I think, over the years by Canada Soccer. And I know with Jason DeVos now as the interim general secretary, he's trying to change that. But whether he's going to be at the helm a year from now, two years from now, who knows what happens there. So I think she, Canada Soccer needs her to be involved, but whether she wants to be involved is a very different question, I think. James, how will she be viewed, you know, with John talking about some of the some of the posts that may have been a little bit controversial, some of the, you know, the the chatter recently, um, will there be a, a a part of her that's, I don't know if I would say the legacy tainted, but viewed as well, you know, the way we view other great athletes, like this is, this just kind of comes with the territory. You're going to, uh, people that are that wired that way and that high achieving in their sport, you're going to hear some things that rub people the wrong way. And will that take away from her any at all or just people will say well that's just kind of the way it is and you know she was right in a lot of senses i think yeah on the country poor i think people will see that and what she did when she had to speak out uh, and not being comfortable in that environment but having to speak out um the respect level just grows i really believe that mm. that she was there for the players for the good of the game in this country and she went through it with the, the political side of the things with the way the game's run in this country with cancer over the years and she mm -hmm. stayed quiet for a long time until it got to a point where she couldn't stay anymore quiet. And maybe her legacy will be they'll sign this deal. They've got pay equity, right? That's going to happen in this next deal. Whenever it's signed, they have pay equity. Maybe that's her legacy. She really, really pushed that and said, we will not accept anything else. We won't play. We will stop playing for our country unless you force it. And when Christine Sinclair comes to a camp and says, unless we get a deal signed here, we might not play. People stand up and listen. So I think it just really helps. Listen, the fans, there's no, there's no debate, right? She's revered in the fan base. Yeah. This country, yeah. the players who's the next, who, the battle. Who's the next Christine Sinclair in our country? Oh, I don't think there is one. Quite honestly, there's only one sinking. I mean, to score 190 odd goals, <laughs> you know, in admittedly 320 games, but that alone is incredible. There's some good talent coming through. Sure, you know, this team might might need to move aside, you know, and say thanks, Sinky. You were brilliant. She she could have still played a role in that squad. There's no doubt about it. Um, right. But to prolong her club career, she decided that she has to move aside. Maybe for Beth Priestman and that group, it's time, you know, to kind of move out of that shadow of Christine Sinclair, which which won't be easy. Well, it will be fascinating to watch the reaction across the country, and particularly by non-soccer fans, uh, to the two games uh, end of the month and uh, early December on the West Coast, uh, her farewell tour, which is really uh, a great thing to see because I do think she will get her due as an athlete uh, I, at that so. point. She's got a, I, a four, I, four I, games, I'm right? pretty sure she will. Four I'm pretty games, sure she will. Last two yeah. out West, you know, I hope, and, and they will, I have no doubt that they will come out and they will celebrate Christian Sinclair. You know, she's the greatest footballer we've ever had, right? Yeah. Men or women, really, let's be honest, as far as what she accomplished yeah. in, in that in that sport. So let's do it right, Canadian soccer. Let's do it right for once. Indeed. Uh, the, the the other story that uh, that I, I I'm I'm disappointed didn't get very much play uh, in our country, and and this is uh this is a vintage story. That's what we're going to call these things when Paul we talk about old stuff. Vintage. This is a vintage <laughs> story, but Bobby Charlton passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean I I just found it by fluke on social media that Bobby Charlton passed away. Bobby Charlton's influence in the game in England, around the world, for decades. It, it was immeasurable. Uh, what did he mean to you, and, and what did he mean to the game? 
Yeah, I mean, listen, Bobby Charlton, you know, when you talk about Pele and Maradona, you never hear Bobby Charlton's name mentioned. But no. he was one of the great footballers ever. Won a World Cup for England, won a European Cup, won a Ballon d'Or. Greatest English footballer of all time. Simple as that. Now, I never saw him play. He was before my time. Um, but I grew up knowing who Bobby Charlton was. He was everywhere. You know, whether you love the sport or hate the sport, Bobby was there, you know, in front of you. TV, radio, he was such a presence, such a brand. Um, and he was a, a Manchester United player, right? I'm a Liverpool fan. I hate Manchester United. Can't say a nice <laughs> thing about them. But I love Sir Bobby Charlton. He was a national treasure, right? That's what he was. Yeah. And he really had that global brand as well. Craig Forrest, um, I was talking to about this because uh, Sir Bobby Charlton came out and did a camp in Vancouver many, many, many years ago. And actually mm. told Craig, he told Craig, um, you should just stay here. Don't bother trying to play overseas. <laughs> and Craig goes, what? He was 15 at the time and actually inspired Craig to try harder and then, you know, great career overseas. Um, but that sure. was the only camp Bobby ever did, actually, overseas outside of England. Uh, Craig found out afterwards. So there was a little connection there. Um, yeah, what an absolute legend. Very, very sad. Um, but just an enormous figure and one of the good guys, I think, in the, in the sport. Yeah, I, I, I had no idea till John and I were speaking. And, you know, I remember, you know, my father losing a, I think it was a dollar on, uh, on the world cup that, uh, that, cause he wasn't sure that England could win that one. But, um, <laughs> James, my question is, what do we do? Um, what do we do to enhance the, the history to keep it connected? So, you know, baseball still talks about Babe Ruth. Um, you know, they still talk about some of some of the greats from back in the day. And maybe it's because we're on this side of the pond. But is there anything we can do to like that? As John was saying, that shouldn't have been swept under the carpet. That shouldn't have been just oh, in passing. Oh, by the way, you know, I'm Bobby not Johnson sure it made. I, I'm not sure it made TSN Sports Center no, or, or Sports I didn't see Net, it, John. Uh, uh, Central. I didn't see it at all. You know what it is, guys? I think we live in this era right now and everything that we see in front of us has to be the greatest of all time right yeah. Messi has to be the best of all time LeBron's got to be the best of all time you know we, we can't just acknowledge that different eras had different superstars and recency I call it recency bias 100% mm. it is yeah exactly so and, and English football is terrible for this because most records now are in the Premier League era Okay, so right. highest goal scorer, most goals in the season, most championships, Premier League era. That began in 1992, right? So when mm -hmm. I hear, oh, you know, so-and-so scored more goals, Erling Haaland scored more goals than anyone in the Premier League era. Wait a minute, what about the first division back in the 80s when I grew up watching Ian Rush and John Aldrich and Mark Hughes and these guys? Wonderful football. Don't those count anymore? So I, I think English football is you know, really guilty of this and the branding of the Premier League becoming so much more. That's when football was invented. 1992 like no sorry didn't it's been around for a, a few years prior to that so i think that's precisely what it is it's, it's a recency bias and we should acknowledge and realize that there's some great players are great players you know bobby charlton with, with modern diets and technology and fitness regimes would be a superstar today just as he was in 1966 the uh, the other aspect of it is is that um the way the game is now distributed particularly in our country and and I mean, in the united states it's on peacock um it, it, like we the games aren't as available to the uninitiated yeah streaming is uh, you know i mean streaming streaming and paying for streaming 
So if I have Sportsnet and I have TSN, uh, I don't get to watch the Premier League anymore. Yeah, you, you, and and that's a that's a that's a problem. You can't stumble across a new sport, right? right? No, it used to be right. Saturday morning. You didn't know what football was, but you came across Sportsnet or TSN, and then oh, what's this? And you became I've got so many people I know became fans through just stumbling across it on a Saturday morning. Um, it, it's it's a real shame, you know. Um, that's just the way I guess the media world is changing as well, and and sports is changing. Um, it used to be that. You know, you, you get to see maybe one game a week from one league. So when a World Cup sure. came around or a European Championship, you, you'd heard about these these mysterious players from foreign lands, and then you got to see them and like, oh, the romance! Wow, this is incredible. That's that's the Diego Maradona. That's the Rude Hullet I've heard so much about. Haven't seen him play, right? That that was special. Whereas now, as much as for football fans, you can see all these guys. There's no surprises anymore, right? There's no mystery anymore either. So, man, I'm standing old. I really apologize. <laughs> You know, back in no, my day, right? but that's the reality, right? Vintage, yeah. It's great. It's so much better in so many ways. You can see all the games. I mean, how bad oh, is yeah. that? Pretty amazing. But we've lost a lot as well, I think, of that mystery. Well, uh, the, the thing is that I don't know how you – I don't know how you grow the game. You know, we talk about – I mean, soccer has grown exponentially. You know, the MLS – has has done a has done a good job. Let's face it, has done a good job creating ex, exposing people to the game. Uh, the Canadian Premier League. I don't know where you sit on that. I mean, uh, they're a they're a growing entity. Yep, um, they've got some, they've got some hiccup they, they've got some hiccups, but they're a growing entity. I guess they're championship games this weekend, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. Forge against uh, Cavalry. I, I'm a huge fan of CPR. I think it's brilliant and it's come a long way. I think their, their gate revenues are up 19% this season from over last. Listen, they started out right as COVID began, right? I mean, if you're going to yeah. start a new league, that's not when you start it, right? They were so unfortunate. And it was always going to be a long build, a big build. This You're going to have to... There's a lot of snobbery, right, in, in Canadian soccer sport, uh, soccer you know, fandom, uh, and people look down upon it. But we have to have this league to grow as a nation, right? And, and it will grow and grow and grow. The owners seem to be very committed, it seems, at this point, most of them anyway. There are some issues. We saw Edmonton fold uh, York United right now under under the league's ownership at the moment. Um, there are big concerns, of course there are. But overall, it's something that we can't turn our back on. We need this this league. Every every nation needs a professional soccer league to be successful. Mm -hmm. uh, James, it's funny because I, I, I look at, in in Canada, the growth of the CEBL, the Domestic Pro Basketball League, and it's given it's given kids a place to play. And with the popularity of soccer, I I just think that you know, as you said, a domestic league sometimes, you know, youngsters get to a point, and if there's nowhere for them to advance, I mean, it used to be back in the day, you know, you played your Canadian University soccer, and there was a kind of a handshake. Here's your degree out the door, away you go, you're done. And, yeah. you know, maybe a place like this gives gives kids a chance to continue to play and maybe those late bloomers improve and, and you know, we find some people for our, our national program. Yeah, it's, it's a pathway, Paul, right? You have to have the pathway in place. And what they need to have, they need to have that one player that makes a move to MLS or then to Europe and then becomes something. That's what they need. That's what they're waiting for. We've seen some players make moves to MLS and they've done fine and they're still young players. Um mm -hmm. A coach as well, Bobby Smyrniotis, for example, of, of Hamilton Forge. He, he's just dominated CPL since he arrived. He uh, was the co-creator with his brother of Sigma Academy prior to that. He's been involved in the game for years. He was 
behind John Herman, the next in line for TFC. He came that close to the TFC job. He's a guy that Canada will look at very closely. He's he's the coach probably right now, I think, in MLS, in CPL, who will make the big step at some point in the near future to a bigger league. And that'll be huge as well, right? Because it's not just the players. This league's there to develop coaches, to develop officials as well. Just make the game bigger. So, you know, I think the CPL is close to that. But and, and that that's they need that big figurehead, that person to fly, fly their flag from and say, look at this guy. He did it. He started CPL. He's now gone through either the coaching ranks or the playing ranks. And now he's doing something really proper in a in a big league. And it's it will happen at some point. We haven't actually had you on uh since Herdman left the national program and went to TFC. Were you surprised? Um I won't say I wasn't surprised. Um, am I shocked he left Canada? No. I mean, my God, it's been a gong show for a long time. I know he's frustrated. You know, he, he put everything into that program. And, and John needs to have a big staff and resources available to be successful. He knows that. And, and that was always a challenge for him. And I think club football was always where he wanted to end up, you know, eventually. And then with the TFC debacle, dumpster fire, call it what you will, it makes a lot of sense, I think, for them to get this guy who's a very popular hire. And he's going into a broken club, just like he, you know, he took over broken programs with the women and the men and the national program and just rebuilt that whole culture. That's what he's been hired for. So, um, yeah, I think we're all a little bit surprised. Oh, wow. It happened this soon. But surprised or disappointed? Oh, I, I wasn't. I, I'm not disappointed at all. I mean, uh, I, oh, I think. No, but I because I, I mean, as, as a guy, I'm not a, like I'm not a I don't follow TFC closely, but I certainly followed the national team closely. So. Mm -hmm. I was one of those guys from the outside that thought Herbin was doing the right thing uh, with the national program. Yeah, listen, he's doing a really good job. There's no doubt about it. You know, obviously, you know, the World Cup wasn't a great experience overall, footballing-wise. He learned a lot in that tournament. But a, a great manager, I think he was, he would have kept building and growing the sport. He, he does so much more for the program than just, you know, the, the, the results in the pitch, which is a big loss. So disappointed from that regard. But there's other, you know, people available. You know, people, I think people forget that, you know, there's other great, football coaches in the world than just John Herman, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, Canada might not be too much of a uh, destination at this point, but it, but it will be. And there's some good Canadians, Morabiella right now, a good coach who, who's going to be given a good chance at this. I mentioned a Bobby Simoniotis. There's other people out there who are making a name for themselves, Canadians, who might be given these opportunities. So, so maybe, you know, we'll look back in 2026 when the World Cup's here and say, yeah, John left it just the right time. James, what's as if you were a, a TFC fan, what level of patience do you have to exercise to to give John the proper amount of time? I mean, yeah. listen, when you win, and you know it's it's been experienced with the Raptors. Um, people want to go back to the top of the mountain right away. They they want to okay, let's get back up there. There have been some challenges. What you know? What is the fan base? What are people? What's a reasonable expectation um you know to uh, on a timeline for for turning this thing around well reasonable that's a good question because i mean the fan base have no patience they want to get back to the top very quickly and, and what this ownership group spends on that franchise they damn well should do be at the top of it it's inexcusable what happened this past year to be the worst team in the league with that payroll i mean that is blatant mismanagement right um so that being said, we'll see what John does. And it's going to be interesting. He says the right things in the media right now. He wants, uh, you know, the Insignes and Bernadeschi's elite talents. He wants them to buy in to what he's selling. He thinks they can. I'm not sure about that. We'll find out what happens this off season. If it's going to be from scratch and he, you know, gets those guys out of the club, 
um, and literally starts with a blank canvas, which I think he probably should do. And probably if he's being honest, he'd probably prefer that and do it his way. Then you need a mm -hmm. bit of patience. Um, but it all depends on what you attract. You get you go for the big name again. You go for the Insigne again or whoever it's going to be and spend a lot of money. Then the fan base will expect results straight away. But it isn't always that simple, is it? So I think I'll be a little bit patient for next season. But it's so hard to say right now and not knowing what the direction of the club's going to be. Is it going to be, you know, raise it to the ground? Or if it's going to be just, okay, let's convince the current talent, which is there. There is talent there to actually commit to the cause, which they, they've shown from the last season they, they, they weren't prepared to. So I don't know what's going to change now. You concerned about our uh, involvement in the World Cup in 26? No, I'm not. I mean, listen, I, I, I don't know. I know there's issues as far as Toronto and whether it's going to even host games. There's obviously a faction out there that don't want Toronto to host games. We'll, we'll see what happens. I... I don't get involved in that. I don't know. I, I think it could be an incredible festival of football for that month. I, I can't wait for it if, they, if it gets dealt with properly. Yeah. It, 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 and by the way, it is going to jump up and bite us pretty quickly. Oh, I know it's crazy. It, right? It's not that, it's not that, it's not that far away. No. Nope. Uh, nope. When we, when we look at, uh, at, at what's going on, Hey, we're, we're going to have Scott Mitchell on after the break. And Scott wears about 17 hats. You know, he's part of the owners of the Tiger Cats and they've got great cup coming. He's part of the ownership group of, and, and one of the founders of the CPL. They've got their championship game this weekend. He's also, uh, you know, central in uh, Canada soccer business. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, they haven't talked very much publicly about their role and what has gone on. Is there... Is there something that we don't know about what they've done, or is, are, are we we're just gonna are we gonna find a situation where Canada Soccer's done one thing and Canada Soccer Business has done another? I think there's a lot that we don't know. It hasn't been divulged. I think they've they've been they're not happy to sit back and just take the beatings, <laughs> but they have done that. They kept very quiet. Um, it's not nearly as simple as people think it is um, regarding the money and what's available in this country. Um, the CSB, the deal, obviously, right now doesn't look great, and it should be changed in some regard. But you have to realize, you know, that CSB also brought us a Canadian professional league, which is bleeding money, still is, and they're sticking around, right? They're, they're doing a lot of good things as well, which aren't being talked about at all right now. They just got to get this deal. Some of these players, they really do. Mm -hmm. I don't know how close that is now. It's being really quiet right now. I think the women are actually pretty happy at the moment with, with what's being offered. I think the problem is lying with the men. At this point, I don't know much more than that. Um, and maybe Scott can talk about that. But uh, CSB, yeah, it's not perfect by any stretch. But there's a lot that I think a lot of people don't understand about the actual details and ramifications and what they actually have committed so far because they put a lot of money into the game and they're not making as much money as people think either. James, you say it's a lot more complicated. Can you, can you, you know, peel back a layer or two for us that, you know, maybe the layman doesn't, understand or you know there's a yeah well i tell you i from what i understand there's there's factions you know on on the men's side that aren't happy with pay equity they don't yeah. understand it just yet um listen they they didn't have a lawyer working for them for the longest time right the longest time now they've got um, a high profile labor lawyer from the states working for them and uh you guys have been through more of these than i have you know what that means <laughs> the longer it takes the more money they make right so why why push this so um, I think there is a divide between the men and the women more than perhaps publicly is, is known at the moment, which is disappointing. Um, and I just really believe that 
the national players have to realize, and I'm generally a player-friendly guy. I'm a player. I usually go that side of things in these kind of situations, but you don't get rich playing for your country. And and usually national teams make money for the good of the sport in that country, right? The pyramid should come down from the top down as opposed to mm -hmm. the bottom up we're doing in Canada here. So I think what uh, some of the reports that they're asking for doesn't make sense financially for, for Canada soccer. They couldn't do that. And what they were promised from previous leadership, um, I don't know why they were promised what they were promised, but it just isn't feasible, I don't think. And, and I think that's, I don't know much more than that, but it's so far more layered, like you said, and complicated than, than perhaps most people know. And, and, I mean, you know the game better than we do. The infighting inside the bureaucracy of the governing body has been, in one word, what? Well, it's been disastrous. Right okay. for the whole perception of the sport in this country, it's a laughing stock. Once again, we were at a World Cup, you know, a year ago. We had a gold medal-winning women's team, um, and and everything was looking great. Right, everyone was happy again. Wow, finally we've we've hit that tipping point, and now it's as bad as it's ever been. It's it's, it's embarrassing, quite frankly. And they've got to get this new general secretary, whoever it's going to be. Um, they're they're interviewing right now. They want to do it before Christmas. That's a key key role. It's important as hell. Um, to, to raise funds for this program because it all comes down to dollars and cents, simple as that. Right. Who has it? Who doesn't have it? What is realistic? What isn't realistic? And uh, we'll wait and see because I'm sick of it personally. You know, I hate talking about this kind of stuff. I like talking about the games and the pitch, you know, and the players. You know, I'm not a business person. Don't know the first thing about it apart from selling pies. So uh, I don't know. It's uh, let's let's hopefully get <laughs> signed up as quickly as possible because it's embarrassing right now and the fans have had enough it's they're just bored of it they're exhausted it's time to move on right yeah we've rolled we've all rolled our collective eyes too many times in the last 18 months about it it really is uh something that uh, and and it has gone because of the success of the two teams it has base. it's gone beyond the boundaries of the people in the sport it's gone to the it's gone to the regular public and and we can't we can't get our stuff together yeah that is tremendously frustrating. And I can only imagine what the sponsors are thinking because there are a ton of sponsors that want to line up with this sport, with both of these teams. And you can only hope that it all goes in one direction before we have, well, the World Cup in 2026 and then the women's one a year later than that. So thanks for this, James. Hey, no worries, guys. I really enjoy it as always. Thanks so much. And thanks, one, more plug, one more plug for the website. Yeah, okay, shamansproper.ca, all your pineys, savory and fruit, and then some. Love it. He can do commercials now, too. Unbelievable. Yeah, Versatile. <laughs> <laughs> That's James Sharman. Scott Mitchell, Hamilton Tiger Cats, Canadian Premier League, Canada Soccer Business, with Paul Jones and me after this. Welcome back to the McCowan Podcast. Paul Jones in for Bob. Joined by the managing partner and CEO of the Hamilton Sports Group and chairman of the CPL and Canadian Soccer Business, Scott Mitchell. That is the world's longest business card. Get a <laughs> you, you got to shorten it up. You know, I've always told you to talk too much. Now you got too many words in your title. Well, it's, it's so it's so long. I had to send it to you, so you had it. So there you I go. Know. <laughs> I know we've wasted seven minutes on naming with your title. So now, anyway, just uh, there's lots to talk about, Scotty. So we'll get to it uh, quickly. You've uh, Canadian Premier Soccer is uh, on the rise. You've had a, a great year, and you got a championship uh, game this weekend, correct? 
We do. Yeah, we do. Uh, obviously, the CPL has had a great year. You're seeing some of the information come out uh, today, actually, or yesterday and today. The commissioner's uh, update will be tomorrow uh, before the big game on Saturday. So, yeah, it's been a busy uh, year and, of course, a uh, busy year for the Ticats as well. And we're hosting Grey Cup. So it's uh, it's a great time to be around Tim Hortons Field. And so, so I mean, can you give us a 30-second preview and can you can you put your league hat on and take your forge hat off? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. For sure. Listen, we've got two outstanding clubs. We've got a lot of good teams, and a lot of great owners in this league, but I think everyone would agree that the truth of the matter is that both Forge and uh, Cavalry have been the two top teams through the first five years of the, of the league. Cavalry has uh, started off their uh, their era with a big shocking win over the Whitecaps in the in the Canadian Championship uh, right off the top, and they've been a top club ever since. Tommy Wielden and um, the Southern family and, and Linda Heathcott uh, with Ian Allison running the team. They've been, they've been pure class. They have a phenomenal Phenomenal venue at uh, Spruce Meadows that is really unique for a, a soccer pitch. They changed one of the equestrian facilities into a soccer pitch and a stadium, and it's awesome. And Cavalry and Forge have had this tremendous uh, rivalry. And, and to be honest with you, the first championship was absolutely wild. It was a it was a home and away a derby, as they say, for the championship. There were red cards and goals all over the place, and uh, it ended up with Forge being able to sneak through a, a, a win out in Calgary. But it's been a great rivalry uh, through the first five years of a young league. I don't think. The teams on the pitch like each other that much. Uh, I know off the pitch, there's a lot of respect, but it should be a real, really great match on Saturday afternoon at uh, Tim Hortons Field. Yeah. Scott, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say this. I'm As an Argo fan, I'm surrounded by all these Ticat people doing really good things. Um, and I talked to more reality about this with the, <laughs> with, the <laughs> with the CEBL, with the basketball league. I, and by the way, you guys have a couple of great cup rings that I, that I should be looking at, but that that's a discussion for another time. Um, what does it mean for the base of Canadian soccer with, uh, you know, with this league? And, you know, we, I just talked to James Sharman about this, giving people another place to play, giving Canadians another place to grow, develop their skill and and you know kind of build our build our our base of, of canadian soccer yeah it's a great question paul i mean really when we started this project and and this the discussions really went back 10 years um about what was missing in canadian soccer and, and i don't think you're going to meet uh, many people particularly myself have any more respect for major league soccer it's been fantastic what they've done is really incredible um nothing but great respect for them but you know, the reality is, is that the three MLS teams are, are three MLS teams playing in an American league. And what there wasn't was an ecosystem of soccer. And even the, the, the three MLS teams, the vast majority of the players were obviously were imports. The Canadians were getting very few minutes. And most of the jobs were really not by, held by Canadians. So there was really not an ecosystem of soccer. So the whole project, Paul, was about developing this ecosystem of soccer. So as much as the league has been hugely important and has given uh, over 350 players opportunities to play minutes that they probably wouldn't have been able to play. Uh, certainly a lot of Canadians in that from that perspective is it's about the ecosystem. It's about League One, which is the equivalent of junior hockey that we've developed across the country. It's about the jobs, the opportunities for coaches, for officials, for therapists, for administrative jobs, for, for soccer personnel people who've, who've never got an opportunity before. And so we this whole project has been about creating that ecosystem, and we've created more than 500 jobs across this country. Those are full-time jobs for people who are competing 
playing, working in soccer in this country that this that just didn't happen before. So it's an unbelievable platform for the players, but it's about more than just the players. It's about this whole ecosystem of developing, you know, a, a, a kind of a sovereign soccer country, as they would say, as Victor Montagliani likes to say. You, you know, you know, Scott, uh, John, just let me jump in here. It's the same, it, and Morreale's done the same thing with, with basketball. We've got, you know, young guys who are finished a career in Europe and they're, you know, they're, and they played for the national team and now they're general managers in Ottawa, in Brampton, in, in all of these places. And there's people working in media relations that, you know, like you said, the ecosystem that have, that have got this opportunity. So, uh, you know, I, I tip my cap to, to you and, and to the project and, and the way it's, the way it's uh, developed really, really so. The, uh, the 900 pound elephant in the room though is uh, the relationship between CPL Canadian soccer business and 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 the governing body, Scotty. Um, there's been a lot of criticism. Um, you guys have been relatively quiet about it, going about your business. Is there anything that you can tell us about the relationship and 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 what the future holds? Uh, listen, I'm happy to chat about it as long as you guys want. Uh, the CSB was created alongside the CPL without. CSB, none of those jobs that I've talked about exist. That was the right. whole, that was the basis for creating this project was you had to create a, a commercial opportunity for people to invest and a commercial opportunity for us to invest. We wouldn't have been able to create the league, create League One, create these 500 jobs across the country if it wasn't for CSB. And, and I think, John, to your point, it's been it's been very tempting at times. We've certainly taken the high road. We've tried not to get into the fray. Um, the reality is, is that 99.9% of the criticism is related to a labor dispute with between Canada Soccer and their players. Um, and that predates, unfortunately, that predates the CSB agreement, and it's still going on. And it's been unfortunate. It's It's been very, very bad for the whole project. You know, when you're canceling games and missing games and have friction and fraction with your players, both the men and the women, it's not good for anybody. You know, we've tried to do our part to help. We've offered dozens, hundreds of times to offer to help in any which way we can. But ultimately, Canada Soccer and the players have got to put this to bed. And I, I, there's... There's no assignment of blame to either, but I think in both cases, it, it's it's a major issue for Canadian soccer, and we want to do our part to contribute to a solution, but it's very hard to contribute to a solution if the players in, in Canada soccer aren't on the same page. And I think it really was at some points toxic in the last 18 months. I think it's gotten better. I think uh, I think there's been a lot of, of slow movement to get it to a point where there's some understanding, but... You know, I do think that the players in some cases are getting some very interesting advice from some American lawyers. Uh, and, you know, at some point in time, Canada Soccer has made a very, very lucrative offer to the players, both the men and the women. There are offers that are competitive on a global scale, much, much higher offers, quite frankly, than some of the biggest countries in Europe are paying their players. Um, and at some point in time, there's going to have to be a meeting of the minds of, are we all trying to move this project forward? Or are we trying to tear, tear it apart? Um, because we need to move forward. The 2026 World Cup is only a couple of years away. Scott, is, so, is there anything? So, so are there are there are there triggers in your deal that say the more money you make, they get more money? There is, there is, and it, it is a complicated formula to be honest with you, and and I understand why some people don't understand it, and and I'll be honest with you, I think I think the CSB, I'm going to say it was unintentional. I think the CSB was thrown into this as a bit of a negotiation tactic when they were at a stalemate. That was a major major mistake at the time because I don't think people understood what the CSB deal was and it kind of took on a life of its own. Um, but there's all sorts of opportunities for Canada soccer to benefit from this deal. We've also 
yeah, I think it's been widely reported. We have been in front of Canada Soccer for more than 18 months asking them, how can we help? You know, how did you, how do you want to amend our deal? How do you want to amend the agreement so there's more alignment? And I think Canada Soccer is obviously keen to talk about that. But the reality is, is when you have three presidents of Canada Soccer and three general secretaries of, of Canada Soccer within a space of two years, you know, it's it's hard to move things forward. I think Charmaine has come in under very difficult circumstances. You guys know Charmaine Crooks. She's the new president of Canada Soccer. There's there's no nicer, better person than than Charmaine. She's sharp. Um, you know, she understands sports. She understands athletes. And I think we've made some major advances since Charmaine's come in. Um, and it's really about coming together and saying, hey, how can we make sure this this arrangement is aligned for everybody? But you know, that's that's not about paying the players more money. Um, you know, the offer that Canada Soccer has made is is a very, very strong, globally competitive offer. So any changes we make in the agreement will be very specific to the benefit of Canada Soccer and the project as a whole. And, and we're talking to them about that all the time. I'll tip, uh, I'll uh, give a tip of the hat to uh, the Charmaine, the Crooks family. They grew up around, we grew up around the corner from each other. We went to grade school together. So I, I, I hear what you say there. He ran Stop. faster than you did, though. Oh, way faster, way faster. Way, they timed me with a sundial. Scott, as a guy who um, has in a leadership position like you are, you talk about all of the the movement and all the uh, you know the changes going on. What can you do as somebody who has that kind of experience outside of you know your league stuff or or your project stuff, stepping in as an individual and say? Hey, this is just me, but here are my recommendations, or here's the way I see it. Stepping back, trying to be totally objective about it. That's a great point, and uh, as John knows, uh, Paul, I've been on both sides. I've represented players on the uh, as an agent, and of course, uh, as, as John knows, I've been on the on the committee and the collective bargaining committee with the CFL for the last ten years. And and look, we've had some tough negotiations with with the players on that side, but it's been a it's been a very interesting and educating experience. So, you know, I, I think we we and I have provided our advice uh, through a long period of time here with the players. I mean, really, the deal with the players should have been done long before they. They went to the World Cup. Uh, that was a long time ago, and uh, it didn't get done. And uh, it's been festering ever since. We've made it clear that uh, we have a lot of resources, advice, people that that have great experience that we we think can help. But the challenge, a little bit, Paul, is just we're not at the table. It's the players and the, and Canada Soccer who are dealing with this. And you know, we don't want to cause more confusion. You know, we can't inject ourselves unilaterally into the discussions. I think we've tried to play a part in the solution, um, and and really. It's it's a very tough labor dispute that has to get resolved. And as I said, I, I can't be more clear. There's no blame to assign, but Canada Soccer has made a very very lucrative offer to the players uh, that is extremely. Do you, think, do you think your company's? Do you think your company's been painted with a bad brush? I, I certainly don't want to say that there's any there's any victim card here because that's not what it's about. The challenge is it's really it's hurting the business and it's hurting the business from a commercial perspective, which hurts the whole project. So, you know, I'm not I'm not concerned, and I don't, we're not concerned with being painted you know as the bad guy it's certainly not the case you know when you're when you're doing something that's ever been done in this country in terms of creating 500 full-time jobs in this country in soccer i think we're very proud of that i think we're proud of everything we've done the cpl is certainly showing great growth so the project i think has been hugely successful for, thus far with a long way to go um but the simple fact of the matter is is that this labor dispute is very very harmful to the project it's hurting the players 
It's hurting the project. It's hurting Canada soccer. And both parties need to get down and get a deal done. And you're comfortable with the leadership at, at Canada Soccer going forward? Well, again, it's it's new leadership. I, I think Charmaine has got great experience. I think she's doing everything we can. Uh, Jason is is again new to this. I, I and I think he's doing everything he can. I know they're in the their Canada Soccer is now in a formal search for a general secretary. And I know, you know, Jason under very Jason DeVos under very difficult circumstances is doing everything he can. Um, but but you know, at the end of the day, they need to get their pieces in place. And I think, uh, I think on the other side, there needs to be some some better advice for the players to understand that look, this is about building a project together. This isn't about burning the house down. All right. So you, we we've talked about uh, the CPL championship game this weekend. You have another championship game on November nineteenth in Hamilton. You're a busy guy. Uh, the Grey Cup is there. Um, I think you got your fingers and toes crossed that your hometown Tiger Cats are there. They've got a an uphill battle in Montreal first before they have to face the Argonauts. Um, where are you with the Grey Cup and and what's going on with going with uh, with the festival? Well, first of all, the Tiger Cats. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're excited about the the playoff run that's coming, and uh, I think the reality is is that uh, we lost both of our quarterbacks. The start of the year, which is higher than usual. No other team in the league has played more quarterbacks than we have this year. But we got a couple of things going for us here down the stretch. Is one we got both our quarterbacks back, uh, which is great. Bo Mitchell and uh, Levi Mitchell, Matt Schiltz, and uh, and the other thing is is uh, we're lucky we get to play on the road in the playoffs because we've been better on the road this year than we have at home. <laughs> so, uh, we're, looking, we're looking forward to being road warriors. And uh, look, I, I have great confidence in the team and Orlando. I, I think, and I know you guys have heard this from multiple clubs, but. When we're when we're playing well and we're doing what we need to do and we're getting good quarterbacking, uh, we can beat any team in this league. And I think we can beat any team in this league on the road. Um, so we're looking forward to a good playoff run here and what's ahead. And that obviously uh, will bode well for some excitement in Hamilton uh, related to the Grey Cup, which we were fortunate, obviously, to be in the, the game in 2021 when we hosted it against the Bombers. Um, but the Grey Cup and the festival are, are uh, just doing unbelievably well. There's a lot of excitement building, obviously. I think the Argo success has certainly helps that as, you know, everybody in Argo land thinks they got a great chance to be down in Hamilton, which I know they'd love to do that. Uh, um, and obviously we got some great clubs out West. So, you know, the, the CFL season has been great. The ratings have been fantastic and it'll culminate in fantastic uh, Grey Cup and festival uh, at a sold out Tim Hortons field in just about three weeks. Your your whole concept of what you're trying to do, though, I mean, uh, with the awards, with the extra concerts that you've put through, I, I know that Carrie Underwood's been announced. Uh, Green Day is doing halftime. Uh, there seems to be a real effort to, uh, to to elevate the Grey Cup to another level this time. Not that it hasn't in other places, because, you know, I, I, I'm tired of hearing about Keith Urban in Calgary from our pal, Paul Graham, because he met Keith Urban and that's all he's happy about that he met Keith Urban. But th there seems to be a real new investment in in entertaining Canadians with what's going on at Grey Cup Week. I think PG thinks he's a concert promoter now, but yes. But listen, I think, I think you know, Grey Cup's been, been fantastic, obviously, when you have a pandemic and uh, and really in 2021, we really had a pandemic-like Grey Cup. We couldn't have a full festival. So they're really the first Grey Cup since the pandemic. The first full one was last year in Saskatchewan, and then we're thrilled to have it back in Hamilton this year. But it, it is, John, the most comprehensive uh, 
Grey Cup in history in terms of the festival. We've got more than 40 events going on at the festival. We've got uh, some great opportunities for people to experience Niagara Falls as kind of a regional Grey Cup, and we're doing some great things down there on on Thursday. And then, uh, yeah, we've, we've got the biggest music series in the history of the Grey Cup by far. We're going to spend well over $4 million on the musical acts that come through Grey Cup. We've got more than 80 Canadian musical acts playing throughout, throughout the festival. And then, of course, we've got the headliner of Carrie Underwood on Friday night, which will be fantastic at First Ontario Centre. And then we've got, um, we've got uh, I think we hit a home run with Green Day, who uh, just, just through fortuitous timing, I think they're about to announce some major news about their own that's coming up that'll be uh, global in scale and the opportunity to land Green Day to play halftime. I, I think it might be the most iconic halftime act in Grey Cup history. So there's a tremendous amount of excitement around that music festival. We got more to come, maybe another big announcement to, today about Thursday night's headliner. So we're, come we're on, very come excited. On, you, come, you on, come on, come on. Don't tell us. Listen, I, listen, I, I'm not even sure if we're allowed to do this, but it's a it's it's a guy that Paul's a big fan of. I think we yes. might have a guy that's Shaggy coming to town here. So. Oh yes, I'll, I'll be there in the front row, Scott. And 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 listen, we we talked to uh, we talked to a real hardcore CFL guy earlier in the week, and in, in Steve Simmons, and you know, trying to solve some of the some of the issues. How much do you feel this kind of stuff? And and you and John use the right word, festival kind of attracts. Maybe more of the casual fan to the CFL or somebody who was maybe part of that lost generation to kind of come back and there's other things and it's it's not just the football and then you know they get drawn in and the football hooks them. Um, I mean I'm a, I'm a kid that that has never left the CFL game. I mean I grew up on it, never left it. But how much do you think you know the festival, the way it's going, Scott, really helps to do that? Well, there's no question. Part of the reason we did uh, we we pursued someone like Carrie Underwood and did some of the things we're doing on the music side is to bring in some people into the Grey Cup Festival. Um, and you know, historically, Grey Cup had had traveled twenty, thirty thousand people a year to Grey Cup. And I think when the pandemic breaks up that habit, you've kind of got to start over again. And not only you get, keep attracting the people you were, but fill in from underneath a, a younger group of people. They're going to come to Grey Cup. Now, having said that, I think you guys know this: the, the CFL. I mean, if you come to Tim Hortons Field, Paul. I know John's been down there. The Tim Hortons Field is a very young crowd. We've got our traditional Ticat yeah. uh, season seat holders that have been with us for 30, 40 years. But we've got a tremendously young group of fans who are were there to party, have a good time, bring their kids. And I think you're seeing the same thing in BC with Amar Doman. And I know that's what the Alouettes are focused on as well. And I see that at the Argos games, to be honest with you, when I go down to the Argos games. And I think we're seeing the fruits of some of that success and everything the league's doing around um, around marketing with our, with our friends at Genius. And I think you've seen a kind of unprecedented, John would know, if, I think it's almost a 40% growth in the demographic of 25 to 40 watching games on TSN. So I think as a whole, the league's doing a good job. And you're never, it's such a complicated marketplace to attract new fans anywhere in any league, anytime. Uh, but I think we're seeing some great signs of growth in that area. And I think for sure at Great Cup this year, you're going to see a lot of people who typically wouldn't think of Great Cup coming down, being part of the festival, and enjoying the weekend in Hamilton. Okay. You're running a football team, uh, you're running a soccer team in a league, and you're running a, a business program for Canadian soccer. When do you sleep? Oh, it's all good. I got all these great people that do all the work, like Matt Afnick and Doug <laughs> Rye and Dan Dayton. And listen, I'll tell you what, we got to get our commissioner, Mark Noonan, on, uh, who's the CEO of CSB, on with you guys, too. Mark Noonan is a 
is the, the commissioner of CPL and uh, doing a great job. He's a very seasoned executive. He, he was part of the original MLS executive team. And uh, it's really just, as you guys know, it's about surrounding yourself with good people and then just honestly getting out of the way. I drive Matt crazy a little bit to be around too much. And I know when I no, kind of look you at drive me every, no, you drive, you drive everyone crazy. To be clear, you drive everyone crazy. Small doses. That's the key. That's the key. <laughs> Well, I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm thrilled for uh, for Forge and your your and and it, it is there is something a little, you know, Hamilton versus Calgary, for a Mitchell to be involved does say something. There's something there, there you know, that's uh, with roots in both cities. Well, I'm thrilled for what you've done with the Tiger Cats, and I can only hope that uh, we see the fruits of the labor of positivity uh, when it comes to reuniting the soccer world in our country. Because we need we need to get yeah. our act together, uh, and I think your 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 group is part of that. I mean, what Charmaine is trying to do is part of that. What the players are trying to do, we need to get our act together long before twenty twenty six comes, because we're going to be on a big stage that that year. I I couldn't agree more. And listen, we got uh, Saturday to be a good start. We're going to have a huge crowd at Tim Hortons Field, and Forge will go for their fourth championship in five years, and it should be a great day. And I know Cavalry is going to be extremely tough. So. Get down to Tim Hortons Field and watch that. That's part of the, everyone buying into this great Canadian soccer ecosystem, and there's lots of great things to come. Thanks for this, Scotty. Say hello to your mom for me, will you? I will, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Thanks Scott. Calling. Appreciate it, man. Talk soon. Uh, that's Scott Mitchell with the world's longest working title, which I'm not going to do again because I'm going to screw it up. Uh, that's Paul Jones. The McCowan Podcast continues in a moment. Well, there you go, Paul. We've done our uh, quota for... Uh, the beautiful game for a while, but, uh, so it, it, you know, it's funny. There's so many stories going on in soccer at this point. So it's, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see, see how things develop in the next little while with Christine Sinclair and her farewell tour and with what's going on with, uh, soccer on the international stage in our country. Uh, John, I mean, I look at it, there's, I don't know if it can get, get any worse. It's, it's gotta be on the men with everything that's happening. And, you know, as we talked about with Scott and 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 with James, the fact that we're going to be in front of the world quicker than people think. It, it's it. You know, you both said it. It, it. You you blink, the way time flies, and the World mm -hmm. Cup will be here. And I don't I don't think things can get any worse. It's got to be on the way up. It's got to be trending to to the to the better from here. So, um, you know, let's 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 get this thing straightened out and let's. Put on a put on a good show for the world in 2026. Let's spit and polish it and make it look good because the world's eyes are going to be on Canada. Well, um, it's, there's a lot of money at stake, a lot of money for the players, a lot of money for the uh, the group that has paid more than three million dollars a year for the last five or six years. Um, but as Scott said, it has also helped uh, bankroll this new league. Uh, and uh, and quite a few jobs at the grassroots level. So it'll, it will be fascinating to watch in amongst everything else. So thanks to James Shireman, thanks to Scott Mitchell, and thanks to you, Paul Jones, for another great day on the Macowan Podcast. We'll see you tomorrow.